The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. Mindful of your health. Sponsored by Emergence Health Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our EHN Mindful of Your Health podcast. I am your host, Noreen Hadamio. Once again, we are so glad that you're going to be spending the next 20 minutes with us. And when I say us, I mean myself and our guests, who is one of our newest team members to uh, EHN, Dr. Shauna Scully, who is our new Chief Medical Officer of Mental Health Services. And we want to thank you for being with us and, and introducing yourself to our, our viewers and our listeners. Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, for starters, I'm actually almost an El Pasoan. Okay. My dad was stationed here. He's military. Mm -hmm. He was stationed here when I was in the third grade. And I actually used to have to climb the concertina wire on post to go to my elementary school across the way. He called that physical fitness training. <laughs> um, He's getting you ready. He was. Um, so I, I grew up in El Paso, went to okay. high school here, left this area, um, went to college, came back, did my master's right up the road at New Mexico State University. Okay. You know, this is just home. I keep yep. coming back. Um, from there, I went to med school, joined the military. Okay. And ended up overseas. I was at the main hospital treating troops in the uh, Iraqi and Afghani war crises. Okay. Um, and I had two deployments, combat tours. Had the opportunity to then be stationed uh, pretty much anywhere I wanted to in, in the United States, and I chose El Paso. Yes. So I'm home. Got it. I worked at Fort Bliss for a little more than 11 years, and I've now stepped away from the military and I'm joining the civilian sector, and I'm really yes. excited about it. So uh, a long list of qualifications, and I'm sure that's just, uh, that's not even the, the the tip of the iceberg there. So you talk about your, your new venture now mm -hmm. with the Emergence Health Network. Um, what is your role going to be with us, and um, why did you decide EHN after your long, long list of experience? Okay. Well, let me take a step back and, and first explain a little bit about why I stayed with the military for so long. Okay. Well, the first reason was I never had to worry about what I was going to wear in the morning. <laughs> okay. You know, that was decided. Right you. Got it. Um, and the second was I had a mission. You know, what I did mattered. I knew that I was taking care of soldiers. Okay. When it came time to retire, I started looking around into the community because I wanted to stay in this region. This is this is my roots. Oh, right. And I wanted to have a mission. I wanted to do something that mattered. And I, I looked at a couple teaching opportunities. I looked at a couple private practices. But then, almost by accident, I heard about an opening at Emergence Health Network. And this lets me do everything I love. I get to take care of an underserved population. I still get to take care of my veterans. I get to take care of people with special needs. And I get to benefit the entire community. It, it, I have a mission now, and that has me really happy. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, and when you talk about having that mission, uh, I've, I've heard it described at Emergence as, as making a difference yeah. in our community, and it, it truly does make a difference uh, to a lot of people. Here. Oh, it has an amazing impact. Just in, in the amount of time I've had, just two weeks to mm -hmm. sort of onboard, I have already started visiting a number of our facilities and met a lot of our clients. Uh, a great many of them I already knew from volunteer work that I'd done in the community. Okay. And so I'm just carrying on and I'm, I'm 
just so excited to be a part of that change, that positive change in this region. Well, we're glad that you're bringing, obviously, your experience, but also uh, going to be helping us reach more people, bridge those gaps, uh, you know, improve access mm -hmm. to services because that, that's important oh, in yeah. any community. But in El Paso, as you mentioned there, we do have a big population that, who is underserved. Well, that's, that's a huge part of the goal is how can we do what we do better mm -hmm. and how can we open the doors wider? Okay. You know, how can we meet more needs and how can we um, reach out and touch even more aspects of this population? So that, okay. that's one of the, the missions that I'll have as a chief medical officer mm -hmm of how do we open the doors and expand. So okay. I'm looking forward Perfect. to that. So I want to back up a little bit. Obviously, you talked about, you know, uh, your list of qualifications and your experience. Mm -hmm. So um, throughout those years, what have you seen uh, and if you have seen any progress when it comes to mental health treatments or even shedding the stigma associated with that? What have you seen? Okay. Well, a bit more in depth about my background. Mm -hmm. So I'm dual board certified in both neurology and brain injury medicine. Okay. And so because of that, I come to mental health with a slightly different perspective. Got it. You know, I, I know that you can't change the brain without changing the person. You can't change the person without changing the brain. Give us another 20 or 30 years and neurology and psychiatry will be the exact same mm -hmm. field. Nice. And so I'm in a place where I really focus on the medical contributors to behavioral health challenges. You know, it, more than 30% of the people who are placed in say senior care facilities mm -hmm. for suspected dementia actually have a treatable condition. And if you can identify that and treat it, you can give them more life and more love with their families. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a big, part of what I want to accomplish with my work with EHN is how do we screen for that? How do we manage that? How do we keep them from, from falling into that, that lost place and instead keep them sort of in the arms of the community? So I'm, that's, that's my personal sort of windmill that I'm going to tilt in this role. Got it. Okay. And uh, do you see that as Obviously an uphill battle, but something that is It's is achievable. Okay. It's very achievable. I mean, for example, um, there's something called pernicious anemia. All that means is you don't have enough vitamin B6 or B12, usually B12. Okay. Um, if you don't have B12, it shuts a lot of your brain down. That costs maybe a buck fifty to diagnose. Okay. okay and maybe two bucks a month to treat. That's something that this community could engage. And it's all a nutritional deficit. It causes profound depression and anxiety. So it, it's a very treatable condition if you screen for it. Right. And then I start thinking about right now, El Paso, we're sort of a nexus for immigration. Mm -hmm. What is the nutritional quality of most migrants? Right. What are they gonna be facing? And is this something that we could treat and prevent? and just be a part of helping people on their journey to, to wellness in our own society. I think we can do that easily. Okay. Talk a little about, and, and you obviously from the clinical standpoint, but you do have that background and experience in psychology as well, correct? As a neurologist, my certification is through the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. But say, for example, my board exams were 80% neurology, 20% psych. Now, at the same time, you can't have a neurological disorder and not have some behavioral components. So those I treat and I manage all the mm -hmm. time. Now, 
would I be the best person to tell the difference between, um, you know, or to manage an acute um, schizophrenia? Right. I can help. I'm the best person to come in and manage the person who had a brain injury and now is acting right. totally differently. That's my niche. Okay. Or the depression that you get because you have Parkinson's disease. It actually degenerates a part of the brain that affects mood. And so if you don't know that and you don't treat that, then the families are left not just with a medical diagnosis, but a behavioral that's downward right. spiral that they can be engaged. Okay. So that's my role. And what an interesting, um perspective that you you bring because you think about emergence health network mental health mm -hmm. uh, psychiatrists counselors therapists but what a very unique pers uh, perspective you, you bring to the board we dovetail and we'll you know there's always been a gray area between psychiatry and neurology by us working together we'll have that much tighter a safety net to catch people at risk in our community right because um, you're bringing Light to, like you mentioned, the two may actually, uh, there might be something that's connected together. Okay. You talked about uh, your niche being traumatic brain injuries. Mm -hmm. And I had asked you in, in a conversation I think we had a few days ago, is there any relationship, and maybe you touched on this already, to, to mental health? There are two different forms of relationship there. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about, say, a soldier who's been blown up. Okay. It is really hard to get blown up and not get a little upset about it. <laughs> so traumatic brain injury in the military is frequently complexed with post-traumatic stress disorder. It's not that they're the same disorder, it's that the two are, are so intertwined that you can't take them apart. So there are significant emotional implications and significant neurological and, and cognitive, meaning ability to think implications all at the same time. Now. On top of that, if you damage different parts of the brain, you damage different parts of someone's ability to think, focus, concentrate, or interact with society. If I were to smack somebody on their frontal lobes, in essence, I'm taking away their emotional breaks. And they suddenly become very impulsive, maybe aggressive, that they don't know when to stop because the emotional thing that tells them to do that is gone. It's not good. And so they're very closely intertwined, okay. those concepts. And is that something, and this may be way off, not sure, because I'm learning as you're, as you're talking, is that something where you see uh, this practice going where they need to understand each other more, as opposed to, you know, separately, where it comes to the mind really they're, they're being affected in, in both ways. Oh, yes. Yes. Is it, that happening? In many ways, yes. Okay. I mean, I the blessed curse of traumatic brain injury being the signature injury of the war was it started shedding light on these issues and making people realize okay. that there is a connection there. And you can't treat, say, the anxiety 
in a blast injury survivor without you know, treating also the seizures that that blast generated. You, you have to treat them together. And if they're so anxious that they can't take their seizure meds, you haven't accomplished anything. You have to work as a team, as a community. You really, that, it's that safety net I was saying that you have to weave underneath every single one of these patients. It has to have the fibers of neurology, of psychiatry, of medicine, of trauma surgeons. We all support them. And then now as they're coming back into society, we have to maintain that connectivity to make sure that they don't just sort of then start crumbling and coming apart. Mm -hmm. And that happens with any brain injury patient. And what would you say to, let's say, viewers, listeners out there that would would say, you know, we don't know where to go for help. We don't know. We, we don't understand what's going on. We, we see what's going on with our loved one, but mm -hmm. one person, you know, is it, is it, Depression? Is it only psychological? I mean, what do you tell that person that they don't know where to go for help? And, and that's the challenge because so much of medicine, you know, when you look at, at, at the medicine that is one patient per problem, 15 minutes per patient, take a number, please. Um, that doesn't create a lot of opportunity for how do we as a community come together and help this person. So there are lots of organizations, say, about brain injury medicine. Um, that help you to connect with the different types of providers you might need. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've really liked about in-processing at, uh, at the EHN, sort of onboarding into their staff, is learning all the different layers of expertise that are built into that team. And it's just amazing. You know, you have people who have you know, extreme background and knowledge and depth and passion for working with, say, children with developmental delay, mm -hmm. and others who autism is their thing. And there's others who are, you know what, I'm going to take care of the battered women's population. And it's just like every time I turn around, I find a wealth of knowledge that I can tap into to help the patient right in front of me. That's what has me so excited. Got it. Okay. We actually had one of our guests on a couple of weeks talking about our homeless program. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, listening to that, the, the outreach that they do for our homeless population in regards to... Uh, taking care of their mental needs and why they are where they are and even substance use. So yes, it's all it's all intertwined and that's the good thing about EHN is you're right, we could tap into all those resources. It's just this tapestry of expertise woven across the community. It's great. Nice. Well, it's nice to see uh, excited about, hey, we, we could be doing A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, it sounds like. <laughs> well, a lot of people in medicine tend to get very territorial. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I'm the only person who can do back pain or I'm the only person who does this. And, and for these kinds of concerns, drug abuse, chronic pain management, homelessness, mental health, it, you can't just have that one person mm -hmm. because the need is so great that, that you'll never be able to address it in the community. And there's no one person who's ever gonna have the expertise to deal with every facet of complexity that each patient presents. Yeah. And so having this team that can then speak to those needs with authority and compassion is amazing. And one of the things that, that EHN does, and hopefully, um, you know, obviously you're, you're just onboarding, but hopefully you know about that just from other experience, is the collaboration that we have within our community. And that's important too, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. this is a tag team. You know, it, if any one person thinks they can do it all, mm -hmm. um, they probably need a psych consult because they're delusional. Right. You know, it's we have to be together. You know, I, like I said, I'm great at, say, traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. 
not that great at major depressive disorder, but I know how to help. You know, so if we come together, then no one is overwhelmed and the patient finally gets all their needs met. Perfect. Okay. Um, You kind of touched on this, but we we talked about the community needs and where you see this going. Um, Is it, it's not going to be a quick fix. But is it it's something, what can we share with our viewers and listeners on, look, we're, we're, we want to get here. Where mm. is that here? Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, question. yeah, that's a loaded question because every one of the subject matter experts at EHN I have, I have talked to mm-hmm. um, has had this, oh my gosh, now that you're here, we can. And they're all very, very different ideas. Okay. And they're all very exciting. And it's trying to figure out where do we start and where do we go? You know, I I would love to build up and expand our opportunities, say, for the DAHAB for uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities. You know, those clients are so loving and so wonderful and so deserving of help and frequently overlooked. I would love to see us lift that up, you know. And then I turn around and I'm talking to um, that amazing team that's taking care of all of the people with mental health concerns and medical concerns at the jails in our community. And they're like, oh my goodness, we need your help. There's there's so many times where we've needed, say, your expertise. And I've got, okay, I want to wade into that too. And so I, I think what we're looking at is how do we as an institution better incorporate our expertise and then elevate what we offer um, at a higher quality and with wider open arms. So that's sort of the overarching dream that I'm picking up. Okay. But I'm seeing little tiny opportunities for, for growth in every single field I talk to. And, it, and it's lovely because people know what they want to do. It's, it's almost like they're chomping at the bit and they just need to, someone to say, all right, let's do it. Yeah. And that, okay. this is going to be fun. Perfect. Okay. Well, we're, we're glad that you're here. Uh, not only with the HN, but glad that you spent some time with us and, and shed some light on some stuff. I, I think that that's um, nice to see where, where EHN can even go. Uh, a lot of growth has happened in, in the last several years, a lot of expansion, a lot of growth in services. Mm-hmm. Jail is was something that's new, CIT. Uh, so a lot of room for growth, but it seems like, like you have an idea of where you want to take your, your position. I think my biggest challenge is I just need to not be spread too thin. Right. Um, so if we can choose a few things, accomplish those, and then go on to the next, prioritize. And, and that's actually a military concept of okay. triage. You know, figure out where the biggest fire is, put that out, and then go on to the next. Okay. So I'm before, looking forward to that. Before we wrap it up, anything else that we didn't discuss that you want to mention, uh, you know, that we want to make sure that we want to get out there? Well, I talked a little bit about the fact that I see so many partnerships um, founded on different niches of expertise within EHN. Mm -hmm. I want to say the other thing that's impressed me is how beautifully sort of intertwined EHN is with other aspects of the community. Mm -hmm. Their relationships with University Medical Center, with Project Amistad, with the... um, the jails with collaboration, police, with law enforcement, police yeah. everywhere, schools. the schools. Yeah. It's it, they aren't an island to themselves. They are. How do we as a community rally around all of these concerns and actually generate some solutions instead of just running around talking about the sky is falling? Right. And it's yielding results. 
So that's one of the things that has me most excited is it's it's not just an isolated island of opportunity. It's how do we work with the entire community to pool our resources and get to what right looks like. A lot of collaboration has happened, but I, I see I see more of that. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, Dr. Scully, thank you very much. Uh, and we want to thank you for being with us for another episode of our Mindful of Your Health. We'll see you next time. Well, thank you for having me. Sure. We are Emergence Health Network, caring for our community for more than 55 years. Our mental health professionals provide trauma-informed care through our 24-hour crisis services, children and adult outpatient clinics, substance use treatment programs, assistance for our military, and programs to help individuals with developmental disabilities. Through community collaborations, we have also worked to expand behavioral health access in our schools and on our streets. At EHN, we are committed to your mental well-being. This is us, working for you. Thank you for letting us be mindful of your health. Brought to you by Emergence Health Network. We'll see you next time. The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.